It's time for Thriller Thursdays here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Chapter 4 Kit Baxter squirmed slightly in her seat and tried to let the noise of the engines drown out the infernal giggling of the maids, which was not entirely successful. The Fenwick household was on the final leg in a long series of charter flights to Cairo, but the thrill of the first air trip seemed to have not run out for several of the girls. Kit Baxter knew what actual thrills were, and was simply stiff and bored from the long flights. Toronto to St. John's, St. John's to London, London back to Madrid for some reason which Kit could not imagine, and then finally on towards Egypt and their missing friend, Maxwell Falcone. It had all happened so quickly. A short drive to a pneumatic tube to take them to their underground lair, a long-distance call to the Imperial Hotel in Cairo, which confirmed that Falcone had been a guest, but that he had disappeared without a trace more than a week ago. The next thing she had known, he was packing his goodies for Egypt. "'I'm coming with you,' she had insisted. "'You're really not,' he had countered, maddeningly casual about the whole thing as he stuffed the crime-fighting gear of the Red Panda into the false bottoms of several large suitcases." "'Maxwell Valcone was my mentor, one of my teachers, when I was preparing to begin my work. "'If he's in trouble, I have to go after him.' "'He's my friend, too,' Kit had protested. "'And he may be old, but he's plenty tough. "'If he's yelling for help from halfway around the world, it means two things. "'One, this is important, and two, whoever's got him in a fix is tougher than he is. "'So save some room in them secret compartments for squirrel suits, mister.' "'Kit!' The Red Panda had protested. This isn't an overnight jaunt that we can cover with a letter to your mother. This is a trip to Egypt. Thank you for the geography lesson. She had stomped her foot in impatience. I'm coming with you. I'm your partner. I'm supposed to have your back, and you'd never let me go off on my own like this, whatever people might say. That had made him stop his packing anyway. He had paused a moment to gather his thoughts. If you try to hypnotize me... She had warned him. I'll give you such a pinch. He shook his head. Never have, never will, he promised. But Weston isn't wrong. And neither were Sterling and Thompson in their own way. People who see us together, they, they know there's something between us. Kit's heart did an inadvertent jump into her throat at this, which she had ignored as best she could, as he was clearly talking about something else. "'And it isn't just because I'm a man and you're a woman,' he had continued. She had said nothing at this, but had perhaps raised an eyebrow in surprise that he had actually noticed this point. "'People aren't just leaping to idle speculation based on nothing. There are other lady drivers around town, you know.' "'Yeah, I'm a real trendsetter,' she had deadpanned. "'People see us together and see something between us that they don't understand,' he had continued." choosing his words carefully, but doing it quickly. They leap to what must seem like the most obvious conclusion, and never guess that the truth is much more... interesting than they imagine. Kit had paused just an instant. She actually thought the obvious conclusion to what she referred sounded plenty interesting. 
Indeed, in spite of her best efforts, she spent a great deal of her spare time thinking about exactly that, but this didn't seem like the moment to say so. "'If it helps you,' she had said, "'I care more about keeping you alive than I do about my reputation.' "'And I'm not entirely certain that I do,' he had blurted out crossly and without really thinking." Kit had smiled like she had been given flowers and candy, and as always when she did, it was like the sun coming out. "'Yes, boss,' she had purred. "'You protect me, I protect you. That's what we do.' "'Yes, it is,' he had said, knowing that his case was lost. "'That's why I'm coming with you,' she had said quietly. "'But Kit—' His protest was clearly on his last legs. There is more to think of than just... There is a matter of... Uh, I am considering the impact all the attention would have on our secret identities, you know. This could compromise us entirely. Ah, the secret identities. It was usually his trump card, and it was a good one. Unless you knew that it was coming. Yes, boss, she had agreed, and whatever they might have done when they were younger, idle young billionaires do not simply throw a satchel over their shoulder and slink off to see the world. He had blinked at her twice, and that was that. Another call to the Imperial to reserve the entire top floor for an indefinite stay, several more to arrange the long series of charter flights she was currently enjoying— one final one to notify Weston that he was being thrown in the deep end to establish a comically oversized retinue of staff for the expedition, and voila! The red panda and the flying squirrel were off to Egypt. Except the trip had been long and dull. They were off together, all right, but he was up front, and she was in the back with the giggling maids and the footmen, who looked upon the whole thing as a jolly holiday with the giggling maids and who knew what else. Kit had no friends on the household staff, and even if she had, she had work to do. She had spent the long flight poring over every atlas and road map of Cairo and Egypt she had been able to get her hands on. She might never know her way around the way she knew Toronto, but by golly she wasn't going to have to get out at a sphinx and ask for directions either. An hour out of Madrid, Weston appeared in the aisle behind her. "'May I sit down?' he asked. Kit folded up her notebook, stuck her pencil in her teeth, and began clearing the seat beside her of books. "'I must say, Miss Baxter, you are very serious about your work,' Weston said. "'I wish it was an attitude some others seem to share.' He hadn't said that loud enough for it to be intended as a message to anyone else, but she supposed it couldn't hurt to play nice. "'Do respect, Mr. Weston,' she began. "'Weston will be fine, Miss,' he said with a pleasant smile." Weston, right. She smiled back and tried not to show that she had not really had the best of relationships with butlers and didn't really expect that to change. With all due respect, Weston, those gigglebirds are still going to know how to make a bed when we get to Cairo. It may not make a lot of sense to bring your entire staff on holiday with you. Many people of the master's position do, Weston said simply, if it makes them feel more comfortable. It is a holiday for him, but not for us. Right, Kit nodded. And I'm no good to him if I don't know where I'm going. Wesson smiled and nodded. He was asking for you, he said quietly. What's that? she asked. Something about the car that he wishes you to hire upon our arrival, Wesson said, before leaning in toward her slightly and speaking much more quietly. 
he is quite restless. I expect he is bored of being by himself. Kit blinked in surprise. You're up there with him, she said. Weston nodded. He does not really know me, he said with a smile and a nod toward the curtain that separated the plane. Kit stood and walked up the aisle. She heard the change in tone of whispers behind her as she did so, and did her best to ignore it. She moved past the curtain and saw him there, surrounded by books of his own. Everything on Egyptian legend and mysticism he could lay his hands on at short notice. They had all been opened, cast aside as useless, and later retrieved, when they were found to be no less useless than anything else. One of the planet's most powerful sorcerers was up to something in Egypt, and got in over his head. Nothing they could find in a pile of books was going to properly prepare them for whatever lay ahead. They were both straining at the leash. A mystery awaited them to which they had not a single clue, and which they could not even discuss, not with the entire staff straining to hear from the other side of the curtain. He passed her a note with some instructions that made her smile, and they spent ten minutes engaged in an entirely pretend conversation about cars, mostly for the benefit of the listeners, and because neither one of them wanted her to go back to her seat just yet. Kit made her way back down the aisle to her books. Soon they would land in Cairo, and their work could begin. In the meantime, she had one tiny scrap of fact that she kept in tight to keep her from grinning like a maniac. He had missed her, too. Thank you for listening to Thursday Thrillers right here on the Mutual Audio Network. Please consider subscribing to other days of the Mutual Feeds, including Monday Matinee for classic live and theatrical audio plays, Tuesday Terrors for horror audio drama, Wednesday Wonders, our science fiction and fantasy magazine, Friday Follies, our end-of-the-week comedy series, Saturday Story Circle for kids and families alike, and Sunday Showcase bringing you the very newest in audio releases from our United Artists of Audio right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The Mutual Audio Drama Network, where we listen and imagine together. Together.